Hello, everybody. Welcome into another episode of Sporting 160 EN today. This is a special edition of our podcast as we are joined by a friend of ours who is a portista, Bruno. Um, I'll pass it off to him in a second. Um, but this is a, a special podcast because we're going to you know, mainly focus on the, the recent Clásico between Sporting and Porto. Uh, unfortunately uh, for us, unfortunately for Bruno, Porto uh, won uh, two to one. Uh, and I welcome Bruno. Bruno, how are you doing today, man? What's going on, guys? Thank you for the invite. No problem, man. How, how would you think of the... Uh, well, let me pass it off to Nando real quick. Nando, how are you today, man? I'm doing well, man. Thanks, man. How are you guys? Been better. Been better. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> trying to stay shit. positive. Same <laughs> shit. Bruno, what, brother, what did you think of the game? Uh, actually, I thought it was a good game. Um... Tactically speaking, I thought it was a good, a very good game. A um, lot of excitement, a lot of opportunities that were squandered by both sides. Um, I thought both teams took it to one another, first Porto, then Sporting, then back to Porto. Um, you know, fortunately for me, my, my team won. I think all in all, it was a, it was a good result, uh, a very important result because of what happened uh, the game before, so... Overall, I think it was a good. It was the, I thought it was a good game tactically. Honestly, it, tactically speaking, I thought it was very good. Yeah, to me, honestly, uh, I, I can't. I can't lie. I was pleasantly surprised by um, some of the uh, attacking play that that Sporting showed in this game. Um, this game kind of has a history of being, you know, flat, the zero-zero type of game where no one really wants to make a move. So that's kind of what I was expecting again, but. That really wasn't what this game was. Um, you know, both sides, um, you know, definitely had their chances. Um, Nando, what did you think of the game, man? Man, I think you both kind of um, hit it right on the target there. I think overall, given the fact that history has shown a very 0-0, 1-0, very low-scoring games, especially um, between us two over the, over the years, um, I think it was way more exciting. It had a lot more flair. You know, obviously, um, Porto came away with the victory. Uh, we can, you know, we're going to talk about that here in a second. Um, was very impressed with Sporting's ability to react to Porto's, uh, you know, first goal. Um, and then uh, especially, especially the, um, the second half when we started putting on um, some, some good pressure there for, I'd say, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes. And I don't know how we didn't come away with a goal. Um, but Porto showed, you know, how they have a lot more options. Um, you know, won the game. Simple as that, I think. Um, but overall, it was, it was a good game to watch with not too many controversial moments or nothing that really, I think we'll all agree, don't stand out too, too bad. Um, but, you know, it just sucks that they were unable to capitalize on those opportunities we had. Yeah, man, a lot of squandered chances. And, you know, at the end of the day, whatever this, you know, means to you or whatever this doesn't mean to you or whatever you had, your expectations were, what you thought, the reality of the situation is this is now really officially a two-horse race for the title in second place. Benfica, 42 points. Porto, 38. Famalicão, 27. Sporting, 26. Several others soon after that. So, I mean... This would have brought Sporting within six points of Porto. Still a tough ask, but um, you know now it's what nine or no? It's more than that. It's twelve. Yeah, it's twelve. It was a six-point swing. Um, you know, so that is that's the uh, 
theoretical real end of the Champions League pursuit for sporting. Obviously, they're still going to have to continue fighting to, to scrap a Europa League spot. Um, but let's just get he- here now more into the game. Um, specifically, I'm just going to run through the lineups and then kind of um, you know touch on um, some moments here. Uh, so I'll do the home side first. Um, and goal for sporting was uh, Luis Maximiano, uh, Acuna at left back, Matthew Kowatz, Rostovsky at right back. Um, Vieto on the left, Balassi on the right, um, Dumbia, Wendell, and Bruno Fernandes in the midfield, and Luis Felipe up top. Um, and for Porto, um, Marchezine in goal, um, Corona, Pep, Marcano, Alex Tells on the back line, um, Danilo Pereira, um, uh, and Matias Uribe in the midfield, Otavio um, on the right. Nakajima, um, unlike the left, but honestly floated a lot towards the center too. Um, and Morega and Suarez up top. Um, you know, right off the bat, um, Porto uh, capitalized on their first chance, really. Um, a great ball by Corona over the top. And uh, a pretty, like, strange, weird, perfect touch by uh, Morega. Max was really committed and couldn't go back, and it just sort of trickled into the goal. Um, Nando, Max kind of looks questionable on that play um in your eyes what do you think of that um i think i even tweeted it when it happened man but i i I think that that was a beautiful pass over the top i think that max found himself and literally no man's land um but rather than blame him i i really really blame those center backs man they were nowhere to be found i i haven't seen them get eaten that quickly by a forward and either ever or in a long, long time. I mean, Marega just comes through and he's off. You know what I mean? That like they're not even remotely close to him. Um, and then Max almost like like he's in shock, right? He's in shock that he doesn't think that that ball is going to be placed so perfectly that he's going to come through. I I don't even know if the the touch it, is it's obviously played really good. perfectly between Matthew Kowatz and Rostovsky. Yeah, because if they're in like a triangle and he drops it right in between the triangle, like right in the middle. Yeah, Rusovsky is even the one that gets close enough yeah. to him or tries to make a run at him at the end there. Um, but Matheus and Kowatz are just completely, like, jogging. That whole pass through, they're jogging. They're completely beaten. Um, the one touch on the ball, yeah, is really nice. Um, but, like, I don't know. I don't know if that's 50%. That's not even – that's not a finish. That touch – I don't think that that touch is a finish. I no, think 100% he's not a finish, it. No. No, I don't even think that the, what like, think? that's what I'm do saying. I think the touch came out more lucky. Yeah, I think it came out a little bit more lucky than it even did like skillful. Like he wasn't even expecting to probably get that ball around the goalkeeper there. Um, but there it is, you know, great pass, facts, horrible defending. And I'm not going to blame Max for it. I'm not. Uh, that's just me, man. I'm not. Um. Okay. Yeah, so that brings us to um, – Really another uh, – um, let me actually – let me throw it back to, to Bruno. Are there any other moments uh, in the first half, Bruno, that really stood out to you from the Porto perspective, um, I guess either positively or negatively? Yes. Um, first of all, let's start with the lineup. I didn't agree with the lineup. Um, Marcano is by far Porto's fourth – best center back and he continues to start and I don't understand why and the stubbornness of Sergio Conceição if he does not change rapidly it could cost him the league if it hasn't cost him already um, 
The other guy that I questioned in the lineup was Danilo. I think he's been in bad form for the last couple of months. He doesn't seem like he's 100%. And I just think that the chemistry with Uribe, Nakajima, and Otavio at the moment in the middle is so much superior than with Danilo in the middle. And um, I think that that was one big issue. And I think uh, as we talk about the game, I'll explain to you why. Um, as for as for the goal, the goal was great. Um, great pass by Corona. Very, very lucky by Marega. Um, and then after that, I think after the goal happened, I think the biggest um, adjustment that Porto had to do was that Wendell was dropping way deep to receive the balls from, from the center backs from Sporting. And um, Porto didn't have an answer. And I think that has a lot to do with Danilo. Um, Danilo was getting often beat or watching a lot of Bruno Fernandes. And there were guys that were making those runs. And Uribe was having to cover a lot of space. And so did Nakajima had to cover a lot of space till eventually he was subbed out because he was completely burnt out. I think at the end of the at the end of the first half, Porto was very lucky to just give up one goal. Um, I don't think we really did much in the first half. To be honest, after the goal, uh, it was kind of just we we fell asleep. We gave Sporting the game, or I don't know if we gave Sporting the game. I think it more has to be credited that Sealers made that adjustment. Um, with Wendell dropping and, and Wendell had a very good game. And if anyone says opposite of that, they had, they just clearly don't watch soccer enough to understand the sport. The guy was, he had a fantastic game. Um, but you know, they just couldn't capitalize on their opportunities. Yeah, man. Um, I, uh, I definitely agree that, uh, the response from sporting was, uh, surprising, positive. Uh, surprisingly positive, um, to be honest, for me at least. Um, and I thought Acuna down the left wing was actually fantastic. He created several chances in that half. Vieto squandered, I think, three, at least three golden opportunities that I can remember to score. He did not hit the target once. Amazingly, Sporting had 15 shots in this game, only one on target, Acuna's goal. Um, that is not pinpoint accuracy. <laughs> That is the that is the opposite. That is very poor finishing, and uh, that'll 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 be the difference in in games like this. Um, you mentioned that you didn't like the inclusions of Danilo um, and Marcano in the starting lineup for the next game. Pep's obviously hurt, most likely, and Marcano, I believe, is suspended. So you are going to get your wish for for new center backs. Um, who would you have preferred to see um, start in the middle over Danilo? Um, honestly, for over the Nilo. Yeah, didn't, didn't you say? Didn't you say? Yeah, uh, I mean, with Americano, I mean, honestly, Late is doing exceptionally well, but so is Mabimba. So, one or the other. Take take your pick. If if you're the coach, you have the luxury of taking your pick between two players that are in in superb form. Um, and Pep has been. I think kind of 
uh, hinting at it in the press that, hey, you know, the best Portuguese center back right now is Diogo Leite. Well, dude, you can't get much of a, uh, a, you know, that's complete promotion from from the, a guy that wants to, it seems like he wants to pass the torch um, to Diogo Leite from Pep. But Mabimba's fine. As for the Nilo, I would have dropped Uribe. You could have put Sergio Oliveira in the middle with Nakajima and Otavio. Or you could have just played Uribe, Otavio, and um, and uh, Nakajima in the middle. And you could have just went that way. That would have been fine, too. I think those were the, the that's the midfield right now. I, I just don't see how... Um, He's Danilo is going to get into this lineup, and I get what Porto's trying to do. You know, they're without question, they want to play him, they want to see if they can sell him. I think if they get a good offer right now in the in the in the window, um, in the, the January window, they're going to look to sell him. But this is definitely they're looking to, to really cash in, hopefully, after the euro. But that's that's very risky because if he continues his form, I don't see how he's going to be the starter. Um, for the national team, and then what? You just you just you squander an opportunity to sell again. So that's just my opinion. Oh, cool. We we appreciate good opinions here. Um, Nando here next, uh, or I guess next and last critical event here uh, of the first half um, is the equalizer from Sporting that comes uh, pretty close to the stroke of halftime, maybe. 43rd minute I believe yeah um it's a pretty sketchy pass out of the back from Marchezine Wendell heads it forward to Luis Felipe who's onside I I he is onside um after that he's coming back it kind of looks sketchy but he's onside then he passes it to Vieto Vieto slips Acuna through and Acuna with a nice finish um what do you think of that goal and and honestly what did you think of Acuna's performance overall in this game? Yeah, so I think Acuna was by far our best man. Um, he absolutely killed that left side. Um, he did both well defensively and offensively. Um, he showed exactly why um, Sporting Gisha sometimes lose their patience with him because you know he can pull out a performance like this and then have moments where he's just more lackluster or a little bit undecisive or... If, if not even undecisive, very, you know, single-minded and focuses on himself. I know he once or twice lost the ball there in the corner um, rather than passing it back, just trying to dribble and do too much himself. But overall, I think that, in my opinion, he was the man of the match for Sporting. Um, I think that that whole play, obviously, I think that was a horrible play from the back from Porto's goalkeeper. Um, very lackluster, just kind of hoping that, you know, players aren't really paying attention on Sporting. Um, to, to go ahead and start playing for the back, you know, um, because if you're going to play that ball from the back like that, I think you start right off to your defenders, um, if anything, off to the right-hand side there and, and keep it moving. But with that being said, bad pass from him, Spartan took over, and I think Spartan showed when they play simple like that and quickly, um, they can be at their best, you know, just very uh, precise, few touches on the ball, um, like you said, to Luis Felipe, Luis Felipe to Vieto, who's shown a great capability of dribbling, passing, um, you know, lacks the finishing touch. But uh, that's that's simple. And then Acuna just blasts one. You know, he's not over there wasting time and trying to figure out how he's going to place that in there. He just, you know, unleashes one. So 
Uh, from Sporting's end, very, very impressed with how they, you know, hit that counter and, and kept it moving. And I think Acuna was by far our best man of the match. Yeah, I agree with you. I, uh, I definitely think he was the man of the match also. Um, I guess let's jump right into the second half here. Um, our, first, our first key moment is honestly so bizarre. Um, it's the, the, the ball, the chance that Vieto has um, on his left foot. He hits it off the near side of the post. It comes back, almost hits him in the face, and Marchesin, like puts his hand up, doesn't know much about it, doesn't hit his hand either, and goes straight through. At the same time that this is happening, a fireman is on the field taking a flare off the pitch and like the ball could have easily ricocheted and, and hit the fireman who was literally on the field while the play was happening. Nando, and I want to hear both of you. What do you think of this incident? What, what's going on here? <laughs> so in perspective to oh, the, the guy trying to grab the Tarsha, right? Like, yeah, yes. Something's got to give, right? He's probably going to, you know, get fine. Are you, you, I don't know. You can't, the you ball can't. passed. The ball passed uh, like a foot away from him. That's what I'm saying. Like you can't <laughs> just casually decide to ignore play and walk on the field to pick that up. I mean, obviously there's going to be a dead ball moment or a moment that Porto clears the ball, and then you go do that. Um, so I, I can't well, believe he did that. Started to interrupt. Wasn't that wasn't that the play where it actually they actually hit the post? Yeah, it hit the yeah, post. And ricocheted back. And yeah, so. It, and that's—I I think he thought that the ball went out. Oh, or, or I'm trying to actually look at it right now. So, so that's my opinion. I thought—I think he thought that the ball went out. Or he shot it over. Yeah, I think you think he just shot it over, but it hit the post. Yeah, Vieta really sliced through. Uh, yeah, because he only starts to make. So you know what? He makes a move watching it now, he makes a move towards picking up that 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 uh forget whatever Tarsha um before Vieto even kicks the ball. He's already like <laughs> probably half a foot or leg in the field. So he he had his mind made. He's like, whatever, I'm gonna go grab this thing. Forget it. Um <laughs> which is kind of crazy. Again, like what are you doing, bro? In terms of the play itself, I mean that's just a perfect example of when Spartan does things simple like that. I mean, Bruno Fernandes, we are, don't need to talk about how good he is. He gets the ball on the left. He's passing it into to Vieto in stride. Vieto shows that he's got perfect touch on the ball. You know, he kind of gets lucky a little bit there with the ball carrying through his le- to that guy's legs. Um, and then he can't finish. Um, and that begins, what, the, the next 10 minutes or so to 15 minutes of Spartan's opportunities and kind of onslaught on Porto. Um if anything, I thought that Vieto was going to try to pass the ball inside or back to Luis Philippe, who was like right at the you know edge of the of the of the uh, what do you call it the the big box. Uh, but he you know took a shot, hits the post, and there begins the uh, missed opportunities. Getting Marcos off. Yeah. So right after this this span here, um, Sporting had a series of chances. The Vieto off the post, the Luis Philippe header near post went just wide. Um, and then Bruno Fernandes also had like a, a run across the top of the box um, where he, he sliced through it. And then Vieto uh, had a, a one-on-one with the keeper, put it wide, and then he had a, a, a one that was cut back to him on his left foot and he put that over. So that's honestly five clear-cut chances for sporting in this, this span of probably 45, like 20 minutes, between 45 and 65 minutes in the second half. Um, Bruno, what did you think about the the start of the second half here? What was going through your mind? 
I, I felt that uh, Sealers felt that he could tie the game. And he was going to do everything possible in his power to get his team to tie the game. And frankly, he came very close. Um, he wasn't a far off at all. Uh, I think Porto felt uh, that they needed to absorb the power, absorb the pressure, and they were just kind of calculating and see what was going on. I think uh, a lot of credit. I mean, Sergio Cisco and the Porto uh, nation um, gets a lot. He gets very criticized sometimes because of his substitutions and his and his lineups and whatnot. But I do have to give him some uh, props and and recognizing that when Nakajima was done physically, the 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 key substitution was when he put in Luis Diaz. Once Luis Diaz came in and he moved Otavio from the outside into the middle, that is where Wendell or Bruno Fernandes weren't able to drop and get the balls anymore. And they had to start building going through the outside. And Luis Diaz just owned Ristovsky. And when and eventually he owned them so bad that they subbed Ristovsky off and they put in Camacho, which was much quicker, and that still didn't stop Porto um, from going getting to the goal. And that's when you saw uh, eventually the second goal, and then and and eventually uh, Maxi made two very good saves on Luis Diaz, one coming out at his feet. And then the other one palming it away. Um, yeah, he and actually then got kneed was... in the head on, on one of them. He came out, just wrist it all. And I think he got kneed in the head, right? He, he did. He did. I mean, uh, obviously it was unintentional because... Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, unintentional. It was a great save and, like, he... Yeah, great save. But, I mean, uh, and he came out the way you're supposed to come out, not with your feet. He came out with your, your body, you know, head first. Um, and that's the risk that you take sometimes as a goalkeeper. You get hit in the head. Um, on plays like that, but I think he 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 was a, he was a major factor for you guys. Uh, I think the center backs had no more energy; they couldn't keep up with the speed of Porto's uh, striking force, in particular Luis Diaz. Um, Luis Diaz definitely was the difference maker, the game changer. Um, once that once he came in, uh, Sporting just really stopped attacking. They couldn't get balls; they couldn't build out. They couldn't build through the middle anymore. All right, so I'm going to ask a, a question to, to both of you. I'm going to start with Bruno. Bruno, what would you have been cool with a with a point in this game? Um, you know, if say it finished one one, um, which honestly, if it finished one one, I think that would have been a just result. What what would you have felt if the game finished one one? Do you think that would have been fair? Um, would you have been happy with it? Um, would have it been fair? Probably. Would have I been happy? Clearly not. Um, especially with those two opportunities that Luis Diaz had, um, I was hoping he'd put one of those away. And then don't get for, don't forget. I don't want to just talk about those two plays. There were a couple of half chances there as well, especially that one that Swadish tried to back heel um, in the you know in the, in the somewhere in the six or close. Yeah, to the it six. became like a, a goal line, just like scramble in the box. It, it, it scramble and and you know those are I consider those half chances. Yeah. There was a couple of those type of opportunities that we should have scored the third goal and killed the game. Um, that would have really frustrated me. So overall, I thought 
I, I'll take the win. I mean, there's times, I mean, you look at the two cup games last year, Porto outplayed Sporting completely, and we lost. This time, I felt that it was pretty even. Um, yes, yeah, Sporting had uh, a good run after the 30-minute mark. Um, but that, you know, up until the substitution with Luis Diaz, and then after that, Porto dominated again. So I, I thought that both teams had their chances, you know, and uh, I forget who said it, but gay no marca soft, and that's just how it works. That's soccer for you. Yeah, agreed. And uh, Nando, um, as you're watching this, this game unfold, so we're starting off in the second half, 1-1, like six chances for sporting. They don't score. Porto gets, you know, a, a good chance off a corner, scores then has their own flurry of chances only for Kawats to hit the crossbar in like the 85th minute. Um, you know, that was really the last real chance, good chance that they had. Um, did you think that that Sporting was going to score? <laughs> um, no, not at all, man. After everything Sporting has put me through in my life, um, especially the <laughs> last uh, – few years particularly um no absolutely not man as as Sporting started missing some opportunities there um in the second half uh literally i i, I said it out loud man i was like you know marcus soft and my brazilian girlfriend was like what what are we talking about here who's gonna die and um and and, and that's what happens you cannot put um your team in a position like that you know you you create the opportunities you you gotta bang one in at least you don't. You give all momentum back to the other team. That's you know. Hey, Porto hung in there. Um, they didn't get scored on. And um, like Bruno just said, um, especially after Porto scored the second goal, Porto was way closer to the third than Sporting was to the tie, minus Goat's, um header. And I don't call or ever consider those clear chances at goal because it's a freaking corner kick. You know, it's up there. Anything can happen. Um, so yeah, Porto could have made a three to one more so than Sparta could have made a two to two. Of course, Sparta could have made a two to one more so than Porto, um, during those moments. Um, I think that a tie would have been a fair result. Um, you know, if Spartan had won this game, you know, and you had asked me that question and, and, and if everything had played out the way it did, um, I would have probably still said that a tie would have been the fair result because Porto did more before, um, you know, after they scored the goal until Sparta started reacting around that 30-point mark, 30-minute mark. Um, and I think, you know, this is the kind of game, if we haven't had enough examples already, where, you know, we're left scratching our heads as to why, like, a Pedro Mins isn't on the bench or, you know, the lack of bench um, absolutely kills Sparta because, like Bruno just said, when they made that sub um, and Porto started taking control again there in the last 20 or so minutes, I mean, w w what did we bring in? A Jose? You know what I mean? Like, what, what are we going to do with that? Um, you know, we're hoping... By uh, the way, by the uh, way, we just had it. He just put in an absolute... He really outdid himself uh, in this <laughs> game. The shocker that he put in. And then that ridiculous foul at the end. Then he tries <laughs> to fight after the game. Yeah, bro. That's but that's he is pathetic, man. That's 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 the bum he is, and you know it is what it is. But but the fact that we have to sit there—that's my point. The fact that we have to sit there, and Sealers looks at that bench, 
Um, and I got to blame him to a, to a degree because you you have to have some sort of input as to why Pedro Mins isn't on the bench. But with that being said, you look at that bench. What are you going to bring in? You're going to bring. You're not going to bring in a Batalla. You're not winning. You know. You're gonna Honestly, bring in- all of the subs that he did were more aggressive than any subs I've ever seen him make. He at had least. to be. He put in Kamashu, Plata. And, I mean, the Hesse sub is the Hesse sub, whatever. Um, Hesse for Blase. Sweet, straight swap of bums. Um, love you, Blase, but you, you suck. Um, and uh, so Plata and Kamashu, he put in both the young guys. I mean, yeah, I guess he, it could have been worse. Bro, but he, he, did. He, he, made the, he made the football manager on PC kind of moves. You know Same what I mean? sub, 79th minute. Double yeah, exactly. Sub. Exactly. <laughs> he made the moves that you're sitting there and you're looking at the bench and your team's not doing well. And you're like, well, by default, I guess we put in yeah, a, a, a more of attacking player. Yeah. So all in all, I, I think the better result would have been a tie, um, given the fact that the game went in, in spurts, in moments. Porto towards the end, Spartan in the middle, Porto towards the beginning. Uh, but hey, getting Marcus soft, and especially in games like this, um, you cannot you cannot miss those many opportunities um, right then at the end. Because I bet you that if Sporting somehow ended up tying that game, Portishas would have been like, "Nah, man, we can't leave those kinds of opportunities there towards the you know the last ten minutes of the game like that." Yeah, I, th- I think on another day this game could have honestly finished either two two or maybe even three three. Um, it, you know, I think they both teams had their spells, had their chances. Um, Porto was uh, was more clinical, obviously. Um, so again, I'm going to ask each of you, um, Bruno, who is your uh, MVP of the match um, and your um, least valuable player of the match? They can be from from your own side or from Sporting. Um, have at it. Um. Man of the match. Um, I'm going to have to say Wendell. Uh, I, I really thought that Wendell played a terrific game. Again, um, for the average fan, you probably didn't see what, oh, what, what, what... What is this guy talking about? What did he do so special? He created a lot of chances um, in terms of building up from the back, from the midfield forward. Sporting had that, let's say, let's call it that 30 minutes of domination because of Wendell and how he created so many unbalances uh, on the Porto midfield and in the back. He started creating a lot more uh, spaces for other players. Uh, Bruno Fernandes was heavily marked and he was somewhat involved in the game still because Wendell was creating imbalances. So, you would have to take your eyes off of Rune Fernandes because this guy was starting to become so influential in the midfield. So I think he was definitely um, the the guy that was probably the man of the match. As for the letdown, I, I keep on saying it. And I won't, I'm going to keep on hitting on him. It's Maracanu. Uh, that goal should have never happened. Um, he should have read it. Earlier, he should have started moving more toward the middle since Pep was out of position because um, he started moving up. And he should have been moving closer into the middle. And he never even read Acuna making that run into the middle. And it's like, I don't understand why this guy continues to start for Porto. It just amazes me. And that's all. Bruno, what would you say if I told you that um, in the goal point you rankings, want Marcano on your team? No, no, I don't want Marcano on my team. <laughs> actually, 
<laughs> I I would take another center back of yours, but probably not him. Um, what if I told you that um, based on the the goal the goal point rankings for this game, that Wendell earned the, earned the lowest score of any of the players that featured in this game, um, including the substitutes. Actually, some of the substitutes didn't have enough time to generate any statistics, so they didn't register. But so 24 players registered performances in this game, and his score was rated the lowest. Um, what, what was it that you thought you saw in Wendell's performance so much? So I have some, so, some statistics here. I have zero shots, one chance created, zero dribbles completed, 0 for 2 aerial duels, two defensive actions, three dribbles um, allowed, three fouls committed. I, I, I really liked um, his, his ability to drop and create the imbalance I thought that he was, I will be fair to you, I do think that he was having to overcompensate a little bit because Bruno Fernandes did not not perform well in this game. And him, the whole midfield was lost. Dumbia, not a creator. Wendell was, I thought he was wandering and I thought Bruno Fernandes was wandering too. Um, And the stats reflect that. 4.1 for Wendell, 4.9 for Bruno, which is honestly probably the worst score I've ever seen him get in one of these. Um, and Doombia 4.9, and he got subbed off, the same score as Bruno Fernandes. I mean, they didn't affect the game enough, um, in my opinion. Um, Bruno, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no I, I mean, I, I, it, to me, I, I, I have to say that um, the, 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 the one guy that I felt that had a, a, a really good game was Wendell, and, and I'll, I'll explain to you why. When he started dropping, he was forcing Nakajima to cover three different areas. So he would have to move out and or drop deep. And then he started noticing that he was dropping deep. So then he would move left and he would move right. And everywhere and Nakajima's responsibility was to follow him around. That was the adjustment that Sergio Gonzalo made. And Wendell ran so much in that area that he was creating space. So he would just get the ball. All he would do is just hit a penetrating pass out to the wings mainly because that's where Ristovsky and Acuna, in particular Acuna, started getting very involved in, in, I mean, in Sporting's attack or, or buildup. And um, they just started – and that's where they, they started to uh, – they started to really create a lot of imbalances all because of Wendell. So – Again, I, I I view games a little differently than, than than these guys. I don't know what they want from players. Do they want, you know? I, I think the things that earn you the most the most points in these types of things are uh, chances created are are huge, and obviously efficiency in doing anything, whether it's crossing, passing. Um, you know, you want so something in the in the final third. Yeah, I mean, and and uh, for defenders. Um, consistency but in terms of defensive things so seven duels six wins you know that that'll get you a good game if you're a defender um you okay know. so it, uh, going going i mean this is just perfect because he didn't have to do any of that all he had to do was just get the ball and just distribute that was his that was his function his function was get the ball distribute to the wings or distribute and find Bruno Fernandes, or distribute and find dubia and then get the ball back, and then distribute outside, and that's all he was doing. He was just uh, d- distributing, and the, d- the the penetrating passes that he was hitting, basically to the outside, 
was creating a lot of imbalances for Porto. And then on top of that, you were forcing Nakajima to run with a chicken with like a uh, like a chicken without a head. And then what also forced Porto to do was Danilo and Uribe basically playing in a four-two-three-one, and they had to be playing side by side, which Uribe didn't like to do or didn't want to do. Because if you watch the game, Uribe had to do a lot of defensive responsibility. Um, he had to, he had to help the Nilu because they were creating running lanes in through or passing lanes through the middle. There was a lot of runs that were being created through the middle, and Uribe had to drop in and had to cut those those passing lanes away, and that's where it opened up to the outside. So I, I thought that was a good tactic by Steelers. I I don't think that he. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know if you guys listen to the Three Tugas podcast, but I've been saying it for quite some time that he was going to be your coach uh, sometime last year. And Danny, I, think- so I will give Danny credit. Danny's always wanted him. I started liking him sh- after Danny was really vocal about him. But, yeah, I mean, fa- fair enough. He, he, I, I honestly, I did want him to be the coach. And I'm not sold on him yet, though. I'm not completely sold either, but I did – of the options that were on the table at the point of the, the Kaiser firing, which honestly at this point feels like 10 years ago. Kaiser was the coach of the team this season. I, I, don't almost, I almost don't even believe that. How? Well, it, it, <laughs> it, it, it's been a while. But uh, like I said, I, I think that this guy, um, Seelage, is, is, is definitely the right player or right coach for these players. Because he's finding how to make them fit into his system. And that is a lot of credit to the coach. Now, I will say this. These are not his players. And once he does get his players, the players that he wants, he's going to be much more dangerous. He's going to be a problem uh, for Porto and Benfica in years to come if the fan base can give him his time. No. And he needs time, in particular this year. This year is, is year zero. You gotta get, he just has to feel out what he has. He's going to be calling up a lot of these guys from the B team and these juniors and kind of throwing them in there. And in the meantime, you can get rid of that guy, Hesse. You can get rid of Bolazi. You can get rid of all these high-paid um, internationals that you got. Absolutely. But I'm not sure why they were even here in the first place. Or honestly, I don't think that Kaiser wanted them here um, in the first place either. So that leaves one man responsible for those fools. I'll I'll tell you what, why they came in. In the beginning and around the beginning of August, did you, did you get a lot of sand in your, or at the end of August, did you get a lot of sand in your eyes? (laughs) Why? From the beach? That's what, uh, uh, yeah, that, well, th- that's th- the expression is the Varandas are through sand in your eyes. Oh, Man, we need to sign some he, players. Here's some players. He's some shit. Yeah, Man. yeah, it was. It was on the last day, and he panicked, and that's what so, he came up with. I. I'll jump in and say this, man. I don't think Silas is a bad coach, but I don't think by a long stretch of the imagination he's a sp- coach for Spartan. Uh, and I only say that because I'm I not disagree. trying to come in. I'm not trying to come in with like you know unrealistic um, goals or expectations for Spartan this year. I had absolutely none. You know what I mean? I just hope that we wouldn't embarrass ourselves. Um, but there's been moments and times where, you know, he he does have okay players, at least for the starting lineup. Um, the bench has been crap for a while. Um, 
and, and, and if he wanted to, and I guess what I'm trying to get with this is if he wanted to really assert himself as Spartan and show that he could conduct um, and, and develop Spartan in a way that, that would be fully his identity, then he would take the reins, start making decisions like Bidrumins and the Platas and the young guys. You know, it took forever to bring in Max at starter. And, and and really just show. At least he did it, though. At least he's doing. He did. He did did it. He did do it um, to an extent. But but he's taken a long time. And 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 this is a prime example. Like Porto Sporting. Um. And and we we let Pedro Mins play in the sub twenty three. So he's so we give all the crap to Sporting about not having him properly signed up to start the season. You know, we 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 send him to. Um, the Europa League. Okay, he scores a goal there against Ajax, and then he's finally um, in Scritto, and they're like, "Nah, bro, we still got to send you over there to sub twenty three, bro, because you know we're 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 only not playing like probably our most important game this year, and try to hopefully keep keep the season from looking too embarrassing." He has to have a say in that, and if he doesn't have a say in that, then it just shows that he has no balls to stand up to the president, who's already Uma Merdinis. Like that dude's got you know. He's got no power there. He just pretends he does. So that to me showed a lot. You know, it's like, come on, you 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 take the reins. You call the guy in. President doesn't like it. I don't care. Make a big deal about it. Whatever. Because if anything, then he can hold that uh, and hold the president accountable. Look, man, I'm trying to use the players that you give me. The players you give me are crap. This is not my team, like Bruno said. So I'm gonna go get the players that are at Spartan. Didn't cost you anything, and we're gonna go from there. So there's things there that have led me to believe that he he only thing. In a way, pulmon for Sporting, or he doesn't have quite the ability, you know, to go out there and go get it. And he's made comments. He's made comments as of late that have really, really bummed me out. When he played the at the end of the game against Porto, and and I don't want to say this is exactly quoted because I could forget a couple of the words, but he said something along the lines of, "If we're going to lose, hopefully we lose like this going forward." First off, well, you don't. Well, I, 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 if you, you got to just understand what he meant by that. Um, what he was trying to say is the way they played. Right. So I, I still um, think you don't make that comment though. You, we, we lost. That's like, that's, that's like appealing back to the sporting, uh, administration of years that that's got us in this place in the first place, which is very a content, like, Epa, mas jogamos bem, né? Sporting played good. Não ganhou, mas não foi mal. Mas quase podia. It's like I spoke to my mom and dad right after the game, and you know what the first thing out of her mouth was? She doesn't even understand soccer like that. She goes, "Eu esportei até jogou bem. Tá get out of here." He he's appeasing that fan base. He knows, or I would have liked to assume that you know that he knows that that fan base is going to applaud and be like, "That's right, man. We did kind of play well, you know. Porto's not the almighty." I know what he tried to say, but it, it comes across to the fan base that is very content with very little result. And the ones that are demanding change and, 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 and the, the, the fiery fans are like, we're tired of this shit, me in, in particular. Man, it's like, come on, bro. I would have been like, no, nah, we lost. We lost. Sorry. Like, we tried, but we lost. Like, Porto won. Porto did what they had to do. We did not, especially at home. I don't know, man. There's been some very unfortunate comments from him that, uh, that have led me to, to kind of, like, get a little numbed out to his whole thing. I don't know. But that's just how I've been feeling about it. Fair enough. It's just it's just that 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 
we don't have the luxury, I don't think, and I think a lot of us Spartan fans, especially here at 160, like we've talked about this multiple times. We don't have the luxury of like, I, and I, I would probably say that you as a Portisha with Sergio Conceição, like the patience probably running thin with Sergio, right, with his decision-making and wanting to get, you know, the Liga back your way. But from Spartan, like we're, we know we're not going to win the Liga and, and, and we, we can't sit here and be like, it's next year, right? But what we can hope, because it's free, and what we can hope um, is that they s- try their hardest. And I don't, I haven't seen them try their hardest with CLS. I've had games where Spartan has been horrible. And these are crap teams. These are not Porto or Benfica, um, Braga even. And there's been moments where since he's been there where he has shown um, in, in America for other sports, we call him like a lame duck coach, a lame duck manager, kind of like it, it, who knows how long I'm going to be. And that could also be because of, you know, Barandas and other people that have kind of made him feel that way. I don't know. The, you know, my opinion on that is, again, you mentioned something that's very key. Oh, well, the players don't seem like they're motivated or whatever. I, I don't think that comes to coaching. I think that's de- definitely the players because I go back to that Bruno Fernandes um, audio where he said um, that there's players that don't even want to be here. And then when there's players that are in some place where they don't want to be, they're not going to give their full effort. They don't want to be where they want to be. And they just, you know, they're just half-assing it, going through the motions type of thing. And, and that, and Sealers is doing, I think he's doing a, a particularly good job. I mean, in, you compare the way Sealers Sporting plays versus what Kaiser Sporting was playing. It's night and day. Um, I, like I said, now he calls up a couple of these U23 guys and he gets rid of some of those guys that like those cancers like Hesse and Bolazi and Dumbia and all these other guys. I think you'll be set straight. One thing, the one transfer that I didn't understand you guys made and accepted and, and whatnot was that Domingos Duarte um, not being called to this team because he could start over Mathieu or Quatz at the moment. And and you decided to keep guys that were in mid-30s versus a kid that's, you know, well, I mean, unfortunately, he's already exploding in Spain for him. Unfortunately for you and very fortunate for him. I don't think he would start over either of them, but I think he'd be a, at least as equally or probably a better option in a back three with than Neto or as a the, the third choice or the backup center back. Have Neto as a fourth choice center back. I mean, that's pretty good. And then probably lose Matthew next year, anyways. Um, and uh, and or he's obviously better than than Elodi um, as well. So yeah, I mean, it's 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 he's not the only one. I mean, Demoral is is also starting for Juventus right now, um, and Sporting profited three point five million euros for him. Um, so I mean, that's basically two center backs. They they really basically let walk. Um, for little profit and uh, would would be nice to have, um, but obviously that's starting to get down the uh, the rabbit hole. Um, the, before before we got a little sidetracked there, um, I just wanted to get Nando your MVP and your LVP um, of the game, and then um, we can get into the, the wrap up here. Yeah, man, I'll I'll make it pretty quick, but. Um... I, I, I understood a lot with what Bruno was saying in regards to Wendell. I wouldn't give him the MVP of, of the game, but I think that he 
filled in spaces extremely well. Um, and that are things that it's very hard statistically to, you know, to, you know, to sit there and aggregate and be like, all right, look at this and look at that. You know, you can't put a number of things like that, but I think he did fill spaces really well. And, you know, I think it was one of his better games, but I think the best man, um, and the best players by far Wendell, um, especially if you look at a lot of those, you know, take away the goal. Okay. Cause that was already one goal he scored. Wait, Acuna, um, you mean? Yeah, I'm so sorry, Acuna. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, exactly, okay. Acuna. And then look at what Acuna did during those 15 minutes that Spartan, um had their opportunities. Most, I think, except for one cross in from Rustowski, was all that left side. And it, at some point, that ball looks like it touches Acuna several times. Um, he was determined. He was aggressive. He looked like he could run for miles. Um, and, uh, you know, he gave Porto fits in that, in that left side. Um, so I'll definitely give him, uh, the player of the match. And then, uh, for me, I absolutely hate the dude, um, which is just that I don't even care if he was barely in the field. Um, so I'm going to be, you know, stubborn and spiteful. And then like, I just hate the fact that he even is part of the club. So, you know, he's, he's an embarrassment. He shouldn't be there. He sucks. He's fat. He's overweight. He, um, can't play soccer and he's sitting there coming in and then trying to get all aggressive at the end with the very little minutes he's had, um, just shows, Everything you need, to, if if you had watched no game of Spartan this year, and then you watched that little interaction and that moment. It was him. four minutes of regulation Bro, and four garbage. minutes of stoppage time. So there was eight, his his yellow, his fight. Um, that I mean, all like, could you do worse? Like, you know what I mean? No, you really can't. <laughs> like, what are you doing? I don't get why he's still getting chances. Like, dude, that, that ha- and that and that's and that's again what I, I like is the president being like, we have to justify the fact that we paid to borrow him. Do we? So I think have to everyone knows at this point, man. Fuck there's, me, man. There's no point. Maybe they can try to get him back. It is January. If they, if they, if they have a chance to return, it's gotta him, be one of the worst um, transfer decisions that that I've seen in a long time. A yeah. club Portugal make is in, let alone Spartan. Like, <laughs> it's. The the fact the fact that it's remarkable is because it, it is more high. Like there are players that get loaned from random clubs in Brazil, or whatever. I mean, Hesse is coming from Real Madrid and PSG. I mean, those are European giants. Like this player is under contract at PSG next season. He's clearly not. He he's he's good for. I don't. I mean, is he even good for like Santa Clara or 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 Stubel? I don't even think he's good enough for that. Like. He's, he, he's good for the second division of Spain, I think. He's That's good probably for like he's good for like TikTok or some shit. I, I think he actually had a good season last year at Betis, but that's again that's he had guy. his moments. He had his moments, but I mean, Isn't that, but, I, that, but you know what he reminds me in a way. He reminds me of um, bro, what was the dude that Porto had that retired to go play guitar or some shit? He's back. He's back. I know he's back. Yeah, exactly. Osvaldo. Exactly, Osvaldo. He kind of reminds me of him, like. Like, all right, bro, like, we know you can play some football. Like, you have the abilities to. And then it's like he just clicks he in. He was like a high-profile. They're both like high-profile bad boys. <laughs> so they got to like, keep the That's the, the whole thing. It's like the bad boy. That that guy, Osvaldo, is, he was always getting in trouble, wasn't he, before Porto? He was in England, yeah, right? He, and, you know, he fought, I think he fought one of his coaches or punched him in the face. And <laughs> he was smoking cigarettes and... Uh, dude, I mean, when we first signed him, I, I kind of questioned the guy that you in 13 years or in, in 11 years, you had 13 clubs or 12 clubs or something like that. Um, that that to me is a red flag. Like, 
this guy is completely unstable. <laughs> yeah. yeah, man. And he, there's he is, one of them. He's too similar to, to Hesse for, for comfort. <laughs> but the Except- thing is, there was guys that wanted him. Believe it or not, there was guys, there was Bortistas that liked him. I mean, they 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 bought him, right? He wasn't even on loan. They bought him, right? Uh, yeah, him. we bought him. I, I, again, it's just, it's just <laughs> retarded. Um, one of the worst, I think that was one of the worst deals that we've ever made. Yeah, I, I, and, and Hesse is one of the worst that we've ever made, and there's been a lot. <laughs> if you want to check out our full team, it's on our Twitter page. Um, from a couple of days ago, worst team of the decade. Um, guys, um, before we wrap it up here, is there is there any final thoughts, um, loose ends you want to tie up um, in regards to to literally anything, either the game or or anything that we discussed um, earlier? Bruno, I'll let you go first. No, I thought it was a good game. I mean, um, you know, Sporting has to keep on fighting. I mean, I know Fumalico was eventually going to completely fall apart somewhere i would I say i don't know about that man i, no, I don't think you can say that with certainty oh i can say it with just, certainty. they, they just signed that guy who was playing in croatia the portuguese outside back today they, they've got they've got like the george men's express train of random like semi-talented players man i'm not going to underestimate them who did they sign today Ivo pinto um, he's like oh, a he's an old center back. Oh he's like yeah, uh, he's like thirty. He's not. He's not as old as you think. He's thirty. Yeah, he's, I mean, he, he can still play. He can be he's useful. From, he's from like. he's from the he's from the Porto to Academy. Yeah. Uh, I don't see I don't see how um, they're going to be able to keep up. I mean, uh, you know, you you look at a team like Imanaj that I think that um, now we're talking about. The gameplay, gameplay wise, I think they're the third best team in Portugal playing soccer. Game of nice. The thing is, is they can't find the back of the net. If they found the back of the net uh, in some of these games that they lost points, they would probably be they would probably be about eight or nine points more than what they have now. They'd also and probably be in the round of this thirty-two of the Europa League. Oh yeah, without a doubt. That that's actually a very very good point. No question they would have. Um... They had so many chances to either at least beat or tie Arsenal. Um, they squandered so many chances in the games against Liège. I think they would. They get two points out of six games, and they could have had, like, 12. <laughs> yeah, they, I mean, they, they, they were very unfortunate. Let's be honest. They were very unfortunate. But that's how soccer is. Like, you just got to gotta accept it. Um, they, they just had a some bad, bad luck, and there's nothing you could do about it. You know what I'm saying? Nothing you could do. Hey, man. Um, and, uh, Nando, any any uh, any final thoughts here? Um, other than the fact that, you know, we've, we're officially out of the uh, second-place race, um, that third-place race, like, woo, okay. Um, you like where, say, Vitoria plays really well, I think that, They've had some bad opportunities there because they should, in my opinion, be a lot closer um, than five points back of Sporting. Um, and the season's not over. Um, just one thing to, to, to mention. Um, well, I don't know how long ago, but Verandas had thrown some shade that Sporting of Marco Silva was um, doing really poorly at that time of the Campeonato or some, some, some nonsense like that. Well, Sporting of, you know, his Sporting of Verandas right now is even doing worse at this time then. 
um, Sporting of Mark Silva was doing at that time with Bruno Carvalho, president. Um, you know, of course, this game or this podcast is mostly focused on the Porto um, Sporting game, but we just finished, uh, what was it, um, delivering all of the assignaturas to finally, um, you know, have a simulation out to try to get those fuckers out of there. So we, we've got that in motion, right? I think officially today was delivered or something along those lines. Um, and then, you know, in regards to Porto and Benfica, still very tight race. Um, you know, anything can happen there, four-point difference. Um, I think from Sportingis' perspective, Sergio Cosicino's stubbornness, like Brun said, is going to be very, very important to see uh, how he goes about that and his attitude with certain players, you know, and, and that's going to dictate, in my opinion, whether or not Porto is able to come back and, and win the league um, or if Befica goes ahead and wins it. Um, because I, I, I'm shocked sometimes at decisions that Sergio Cosicino makes and, and, and that ability of his to kind of flip-flop back and forth um, but it'll be a, a good race to the end. There's only four point difference, and uh, we'll see how that ends. I mean, I, I going just based on what you just said there, just a comment. The thing is, is that the way the league is, and I think a lot of people have not realized, Brun Lage has 32 wins, one draw, and one loss in 34 games, and we all know how they're winning. Um, and I will still say that Porto has to beat Benfica at home, and they have to rely on Sporting to take points away from Benfica twice to even have a shot at winning the title. And on top of the hope, this hope that Porto could beat them and Sporting could beat them twice or take points for, away from them twice, is you got to hope that well, you can't lose points, and on top of that, they have to lose somewhere else, which I don't see. I don't see anyone else in Portugal at the moment taking points away from Benfica other than Porto and Sporting. I just don't. Yeah, it's gonna be. It's definitely going to be tough, man. Who, who was the team that... that the only team that I could see is Gifamalecão won't. Um, Braga most definitely won't. Um, Guimarães. Well, I mean, they just had their chance. They played well, right? I, I could see Benfica. The most game. They lost 1-0. It was respectable, though. Um, I can see them so tying a few another, times uh, if that. In the but, but that's the thing. Uh, they're not going to tie. Look at this weekend. This weekend was a prime example that they should have lost points. And they got bailed out by the officiating. You look at last year against Ferenc, against Braga, against Rio Ave. Those were three games that they should have lost six points and we would have had a different champion. And they didn't lose because the officiating carried them in the tight spots. It's going to be like this all season long. They're going to struggle. They're going to barely be able to beat these teams. And it happens already this season. And then, you know, then you have all the factors of, you know, teams like Maritimo, Braga, Famalica. Well, not Famalica because I think they actually tried. But, you know, Morirense or some of these other teams that are sold to so they sell out to them. And they just opened their legs. I know you guys probably don't believe that, but no, I, man, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna disagree with you, man. I know, uh, I'm old enough to know how how things work in Portugal, <laughs> um, and I'm not gonna disagree with you. And honestly, I'm gonna add that um, as far as Benfica getting, uh, um, you know, a ride, a ride the wave of momentum of uh, outside factors to victory, um, this is probably the easiest. Um, it's set up for them 
um, in a while. I mean, they're four points clear. Their next closest rivals are like 16 and like 17 points off. I mean, they're already halfway there. I mean, really, all you need to do is 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 keep doing what you've been doing the whole time. I mean, maybe maybe Porto will lose if Porto drops really any points or something like that. Porto loses a game or whatever, and then it's seven. It's probably over at that point. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm not going to disagree with you, man. I well, you know. <laughs> The, the one thing that I will say, um, Benfica, I don't think is playing particularly well. No, they've been horrible the past like month. Um, they just scraped result after result. Well, they were improving At some a little point bit. That comes I mean, you're, uh, yes, the, 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 wor- the worst was like early December. It is a little better now, but I mean, it's still not great. Right. So, uh, you know, I, I still think that... Um, you know, and, and now they're, they're they're transferring this guy. They just sold it. They did today. How um, sold him know. for profit? Sold him for yeah, profit. You know that. I mean, <laughs> that's when you have when you have a guy like George Mins in your court, a corner. He's gonna find someone that's gonna pay, or he's gonna make someone pay that amount that's of money. All those poor fucking bastards just got forced to well, pay twenty two million for that bum. But you know what? That's probably a, a very good club for a guy like Edward Well, who'll have a successful career. You probably put Hesse on a team like Espanol, and they'll probably he'll probably do very well. He's motivated. He's back in his own country. Blah blah blah. He'll probably do very well in a country like that. You put him on Sporting, where he probably didn't want to come to begin with, and this is why he's he's overweight. All he wants to play his guitar. He doesn't give a shit about anything. All he cares about is is being as much of a disruption disruption as possible. His barber so that- flies in once a week to give him a haircut. There you go. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> probably pays for it. <laughs> I mean, he is paying for it because he's paying two million euros to have him on loan. <laughs> it's it's and it's probably one of those deals where he has to play X amount of dollars or X amount of games, or because they have to pay X amount of dollars if he, if they don't. It's that Barcelona penalty that uh, Barcelona invented that rule when they um when they would loan out players is hey, you want our player. You have to play him, and if you don't play him, you have to pay us X amount of dollars more. Yeah, I'm. I honestly wouldn't be shocked if that's in the contract somewhere because he has seemingly played. I mean, he's sat on the bench a lot, but he's came in in a lot of games. He's gotten a couple starts. I mean, he's he's played well enough for for anyone anyone to see that he's not he's not good enough. Um. All right, well, um, that, I think, brings us to the end of our show here. Um, Bruno, I appreciate you joining us, man. We appreciate the, the different perspective from, you know, obviously someone from a different club. Um, Thank you for cool me. thing to, to mix it up on the podcast, man, no problem. And uh, appreciate you, Nando, as well, man. Um, and uh, next game for sporting, I know, is this Saturday against Stubel. Bruno, do you know uh, who the next Porto game is? Actually, uh, I... we play Friday against Moreirense away, which the last two seasons we lost points. All right, so Moreirense away and Stubel away for Sporting and Porto, respectively. Thanks those for tuning in, guys. Those are tough away games. Uh, yeah, and Bifica plays at home against lowly Sportivo de Javs. Yeah, Bifica's like first versus last. Yeah, they have, they have six points. Um, two wins 
and 13 losses. No well, draws. they're sure all or nothing. <laughs> I think that they're probably going to lose to Benfica. Just a prediction. Just mm, a prediction. Why so? <laughs> could be like a, like a last-minute bullshit goal to Benfica? <laughs> 2 one Weigel's going to start. Yeah. Not as well. It doesn't matter. Anyone can. Right? It doesn't. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, and we will talk to you next week.